Like Fun is a craft beer and comedy podcast that offers a brief respite for women and men with real responsibilities. Featuring Greg, a tall, dark, everyman who knows what he likes, and Josh, Like Fun's resident beer quality expert. Together, our hosts take you on a journey of inebriated mirth so wondrous, it will feel as though you are having something like fun. Like Fun is not for kids. Unless those kids are from Wisconsin and accompanied by a legal guardian. If that's the case, come on, kids. Have a seat, throw one back, and listen up. Because life is too short not to like fun. Welcome. I got a lot of red. A lot of red on the meter. It's uh, going to get loud, though. It's hello. Loud. Yeah, we're starting it off strong. <laughs> I'm hard. Uh, hello and welcome uh, to Like Fun, the show with two guys and too much time on their hands and they haven't seen each other in what feels like months. I think it literally uh, is two months. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been a while. Uh, this is this is a show about beer and good stuff and fun, kind of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as always, I am Greg, and this is Josh, and we are we're back at it. Uh, yet another proxy proxy satellite episode. What are we saying? Yeah. What are we calling these? Uh, we call it a remote a remote episode. A remote app. These remote apps. We're getting good at it though. Like I feel like. Two episodes ago, it was, like, pretty good, and, like, last episode was kind of, like, a new high point Yes, for the remote episode. Yeah. What? Oh, boy, the cats are attacking each other. We normally start off the show talking about what we're drinking. What are you drinking, Josh? I am drinking, uh, I was lucky enough to have a friend pill for me a bottle. I'm pretty sure this won't be on the shelves until this episode comes out. But uh, the people at uh, Untitled Art uh, did it again. They did another Berliner Weiss, this time with Blackberry and without the Florida moniker. So it is it is quite good. I am uh, very impressed. This group keeps getting better and better. And I'm sure, you know, with, with help from the guys at Octopi, I'm a big fan. The only thing, the only complaint I have is it's it's a little thick in appearance. Hmm. But then, I mean, like, it's, it's a touch cloudy, which, like, when I... Homebrew. Whoa. Sounds like something's crazy is going on over there. Did you put a cat in a bag? <laughs> no, that's just them, you know, interacting. It's great. <laughs> I got a spray bottle, but I don't want to get up right now, so. <laughs> I'm going to get you a super soaker for Christmas. Oh, God. It's, it's just... Te- Teague's not home right now, so the cats are like, Hey, Greg, look at us. Look at us. Hey, Greg. Greg. Greg, why aren't you looking? So... Anyway, continue, Josh. I, I want to hear about Blackberry Vice. It's, it's a little bit more on the traditional end. Like I said, it's not um, as sweet and fruity as the Florida Vice series. They did, they did two or three runs of that. Mm-hmm. And I liked it, but it was one of those beers where 
And these are always, these Untitled Arts are always on the spendy side, you know, like they 15. They are, but god damn it, they're good. Yeah. Um, Florida Vice in particular, though, is like one of those where I'd buy a four-pack and enjoy one thoroughly, slam the next one, mm-hmm. uh, and probably never uh, buy it again unless I'm having a really hard time picking out, you know. You know, sometimes you go with what you know. Right, Absolutely. Um, a lot of the Untitled Art stuff outside of uh, maybe Hazy and uh, uh, Milkshake are not repeat buys for me. Mm-hmm. And I like I like a Berliner, but I prefer, you know, like a Hinterland um, used to do and are probably going to bring back just a plain old Berliner Weiss. Yeah. I would buy that over and over again. I probably wouldn't buy Florida Vice over and over again. Yeah, this one I might though. The, I, I don't know. the untitled art stuff though. I, I we've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, I last night I was at Oliver's Tap House uh, in or at Oliver's Public House. I don't know. It's down yeah. by the hospital in Madison, and uh, they actually they had five dollar on tap milkshake, which I was surprised by. Uh, yeah, at a, at a hoity-toity place like that. And uh, I was drinking. I didn't drink that actually. I was drinking the Octopi Experimental or whatever, whatever it is. Oh yeah, how'd you like that? I loved it. I had three of them. I had three of them because they were so good. Um, so this is. Are they? Are these releases of their sour or is this the IPA? It was the IPA, the Experiment okay. One or so. I can't remember what it was. They're they're yeah. numbered or something like that. Really cool. Um, and I, I, they're not bottling that yet. Is that correct? I do not believe so. I think they do have, um, they now have a canning line and, and they are going to be releasing Octopi stuff in cans. I'm mm-hmm. not certain as to which. It's going to be two IPAs. Well, it is old... going to be immediately at the top of my list if that is yeah. the quality that I should be looking forward to because it was phenomenal. I can tell you that they released Octopi, um, a, uh, canned IPA or canned double IPA, um, I'm not sure if I can remember the, the name of the brand. It was a contract, and it was really phenomenal. So they're they're getting a lot better at uh, doing the big um, hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they learned a lot from that um, particular experience and released something similar. That's got to be advantageous for them as a contract brewer to get to just uh, have to perfect other people's recipes, but yeah. then they get to take what they like from that entire experience and and replicate it however they see fit with yeah. their house brew. Well, especially with this Untitled Art stuff where these these guys come in and they're like, we want to do a hazelnut porter and we want to put 20,000 pounds of hazelnut extract in it. And they're like, that is a terrible idea. Don't also, do that. Also, where are you going to get that much hazelnut extract? <laughs> they're like... Don't don't ask are us you, how we operate. Yeah, are you on the dark web? Like, what yeah. is the? Uh, yeah, I think I think that was an argument amongst the the brewers and the Untitled Art folks at one point was like they wanted to put like, you know, you know, like if you make like a batch of cookies, right? And you know, there's like that quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla that you put in there. They're, they wanted like we want like half of the batch to be that. Like we just want soupy vanilla cookie stuff going on <laughs> that's um, that's interesting all right so i i want you to hold on to that thought because i got something for you later on kind of sure. about that and maybe that's the theme for the episode uh um, soupy vanilla no it's it's gonna be flavors I think oh okay. maybe i'll call the theme early flavors yeah 
Yeah, so that's what uh, that's what I'm drinking. Um, Untitled Art, you know, I I love most of their stuff. Um, Hazelnut, even though I think the guys down at Octopi talked them down and they didn't put as much in. Oh, there are sweet stouts that Untitled Art puts out. It's just it's too much for me. Mm. That's definitely one of those ones where I get like the little taster, you know, down at uh, Octopi or out at the bars, and I'm like, yep, I chose the correct amount of this to buy. <laughs> Um, but you know, hazy and milkshake are just, you know, diabolically good. Um, gotta love them. Yeah. We, we bottled our, our quasi, it's not really a clone of milkshake, but it is a lactose based IPA Mm -hmm. dry hopped. Uh, we, we bottled it. I got 20, 20 of them chilling in the basement right now. Nice. Uh, really looking forward to popping those. How how long are you going to wait? Uh, we're bottle conditioning. Um, and we only bottled on Tuesday. So I, I guess I'm waiting around probably Thanksgiving will be the first one I pop. Yeah. Would be my guess. It's dark. Uh, it's very hazy. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, we've sampled it throughout. I've enjoyed it. I don't think it's as good as milkshake, but, uh, (laughs) we put, we put cranberries in it. Cranberries. Um, and they barely come through, but there is like a little fruitness, fruitiness to it, which is kind of interesting. So, hmm. and actually, our new, our we brewed a second time, and we made a Chris uh, holiday esque brew. Did I talk about this on the last app? I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah, I think you briefly mentioned it. Um, but with... we we ended up putting roasted chestnuts in it. Oh no, you did boil. not mention this one. I don't think. In yeah. The boil. And then we're going to include in the uh, secondary fermentation figs and a little bit of spruce extract. Mm, so it's going to be good. Christmas morning, essentially. Christmas, yeah. like midnight mass. I don't know what we want to call it. I don't know. <laughs> it midnight doesn't mass matter. isn't bad. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I know you were going to ask me, so go ahead and ask me. So, Greg, what are you drinking today? Oh, you know, I'm really glad you asked me, Josh. Um I, right now, I'm finishing up a uh, bomber of rainbows and lollipops from the Fermentorium, uh, one of my favorite breweries. Even though I, I think I think that the place is abysmally set up in the interior uh, when you when you go to actually go to the tap room, it's very like it's hard to get the attention of the bartender. But their stuff is uh, good. Yeah, no, I love juice packets. Yep. So rainbows and lollipops is another one of their IPAs. Uh, it's good. It's just. You drink it and you go, that's, you got it right. I love this. Yeah. Uh, but I am actually about to, uh, in a very excited way, my, uh, my wife secretly, we just went shopping and I guess this sort of qualifies as my what's good as well. We got, we went and we went booze shopping for our, uh, fake Thanksgiving that we have early with her family <laughs> up in Iron County. We're going to leave tomorrow and go up to Iron County the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so we went and we spent a hundred dollars on alcohol to nice. take up with us for two nights. And one of those nights we get there at probably, you know, nine 30 at night. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's, but I'm psyched about it. I bought so much fucking wine and, <laughs> uh, the, the beer that she snuck in to the basket when I wasn't paying attention is one of my favorite. It is Hitachino. Have we talked ever about Hitachino on the show? No, I don't think so. So you're familiar you with it, Josh. Are you familiar with it? 
Uh, very slightly. It's okay. been a long time, I think, since I've had it. So it is a Japanese beer. And uh, frequent listeners to the show, all one of you, will know <laughs> that I have a fascination with Asian beers. Hitachino is not like all those sort of uh, dime a dozen swillum, you know, while you're eating your your uh, Korean barbecue or your uh, hibachi, what have you, hot pot. Those are words. Uh, <laughs> Hitachino is like if the Japanese were told to really concentrate and make a beer. <laughs> and we all know what happens when the Japanese concentrate. Uh, to do something at, at their utmost. It's incredible. So I'm about to pop a Hitachino White. Uh, it's an adorable, you, you pay about five bucks for a 12 uh, ounce bottle at a liquor store. See, and now that you say White, I can definitely picture the bottle. I've definitely had it. Yeah, it has an adorable red owl on it. Yeah. And uh, I also have a love of owls, um, which makes this the perfect matchup. It's an Asian beer with an owl on it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a white ale. It's so complex and delicious. And it's very, very, like, layered in, in the Japanese fashion if they, if they chose to do so. So I love this beer. I'm excited to open it. Um, but that's what I'm drinking right now. And I am excited about our review beer. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it'll clear the palate. Flavors. Bedtime. Flavors is the theme. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, I, you said that this is going to roll into your what's good. So what is good, Greg? So what's good is uh, the holiday season. Um, my favorite, absolutely, of all time, hands down, favorite time of the year is Thanksgiving. I love it. Did I love it. I, the food preparation. And I, I mean, you and I both have special places in our hearts for a preparing food. We yes. like to make food. We like to make food well. And uh, Thanksgiving is my thing. I love it. I don't even make the food because, like, I still have parents. Uh, so <laughs> they have to make the food. But it is this holiday which is designed seemingly for me in that, let's see, let's count down all the things that are great about Thanksgiving, right? You ready? Blackout Wednesday. <laughs> Blackout Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> your turn. Taking your taking your belt off. Yes. Football on during the daytime on a weekday that you can watch. I, I will add to that all day. Yes. All day. And all you have day. nothing to do, most people, but watch the games. <laughs> yeah. Boy. The specific desserts like thanksgiving specific the ones that i only enjoy on thanksgiving yes pump pumpkin pie yeah pumpkin pecan pie. pie exactly uh, those are those are the two big ones yes i may once in a blue moon enjoy a pecan pie like on the fourth of july otherwise it's strictly thanksgiving food and it hold on i'm gonna pour in the mic here hot mic settles out anyway um here to know people the uh, uh the wine and i know we're a beer show but i get i crush wine <laughs> on thanksgiving 
I oh, yeah. wake During up, the meal I, I start drinking wine before noon, and I don't quit until, you know, I drop the, the last glass of Beaujolais on the on my parents' carpet. <laughs> and probably at around, like, 7 p.m. It's not even that late, because, you know, all of the food. <laughs> yeah. And drinking, of course. Um, it's, it's, the holiday is everything. It's my favorite holiday. I am so psyched that it's here. And I, because we're married, do you still get two? Do you do two? Yeah, we usually end up doing, like, a real one and then, like, another large, similar meal. So, like, we'll go to one of the grandparents and then, like, either try to host a smaller version at our house or attend a smaller, like, makeup version at the other, at the other in-laws or vice versa. Mm. Um, this year, I think we're going to, um, Rockford to meet with in-laws and then we're going to like have a, like a fancy going out dinner, um, in town. In Rockford? Yes. In, uh, I'm sorry, Roscoe, which is a version of Rock, Rockford. <laughs> it's like the rich, um, secluded version of Rockford. So the same amount of math per capita, but it's just spread out more. I have a coworker who's from Rockford. She goes to Rock City. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Just wait. She's going to move back there. There's something in the water that makes everybody move back. I, it's I math. Like, I, I, today I was talking to her about it. I was like, you big Ice Hogs fan? Because that's <laughs> the thing that there is to do there. The Ice oh. Hogs. The NHL t- uh, Not NHL. Sorry. Affiliate. Oh, team. okay. Oh, so they're like a feeder team? Yeah. I believe they For are the Blackhawks feeder. Oh, that also unfortunate. I thought that it was slang for meth. <laughs> Which Rockford, also famous for. Yes, very good meth. In, well, I shouldn't say good, abundant. <laughs> it meth even the good stuff. It's just yeah, a no. lot of it. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not that prime uh, Chicago meth. It, it <laughs> the, sky, is, the sky blue? <laughs> yeah, no. It is, it is Red Stripe Trailer Park meth. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right, so uh, that said, what's good with you, Josh? What is good with me? Uh, once again, I think I've done this before, not too long ago, but video game nostalgia. A little bit more recent video game nostalgia, because uh, my kids saw Chuck E. Cheese on uh, YouTube maybe a few days ago, and we used it as leverage. Like, if you can sleep in your own goddamn bed three days in a row, we will take you to Chuck E. Cheese. Where's the closest it, Chuck E. Cheese to you? The closest Chuck E. Cheese is still on the west side. But yeah, we, we didn't we didn't drive across <laughs> one of, town. One of to our kids to... is really into animatronics. That's uh, we gotta go. We gotta go see the animatronics. Robots. <laughs> it's, it's all about the robots. And God, no, you don't want those are the creepiest robots. And and I'm sure unless they've really updated since I was a kid, none of those robots work. All those I, robots are quite I broken. Don't get the idea that. Like some kind of angel investor came along and really <laughs> slammed some cash down on this Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> Do you remember maybe like a year ago they like they started advertising or maybe it was just like a story in the news where they're like, "Hey, Chuck E. Cheese like tried to make their pizza good, and then nobody went." <laughs> so we are definitely not cruising across town to go to Chuck E. Cheese because. Uh, a, it's all the way on the west side. It'd be like a 40-minute drive one way. Um, and B, Rocky Rococo's is like the same thing without the mouse. So we just took him to Rocky's. Oh, and, on, the, uh, on the east side? 
Yeah, on the east side, the the more game arcadey Rocky Rococos, um, rest in peace. But uh, yeah, so but it's like the same deal. You know, you put tokens and you get tickets out, and then you buy a thing. But the uh, the coolest part about it, and I wasn't there to see this, but my wife took him up to the counter and he picked out a Minecraft diamond sword. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Minecraft. I, I'm My- familiar with Minecraft. Hold on. My wife is just jingling keys directly into the microphone. Oh, okay. <laughs> throw these keys at the cat. Go on. Yeah, throw them at the cat, dear. Go on, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so... The, Universe the- building. Minecraft. Yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, the, so they give him his diamond sword and he holds it in the air and he only knows of Minecraft through like really short YouTube clips and he holds the, the, uh, sword in the air and he screams, I am Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I realized that we should maybe get our kid like an updated, uh, video game console, you know, like one that has existed, uh, or, uh, still is still being produced and or was not beginning production after like between 2002 and 2003. No. Or, <laughs> no, you don't think what so? You do, what you do is every time you have that impulse and he's not asking for it, put some money away. Oh, okay. <laughs> put a little bit of money away. And then finally in, I don't know, fucking second grade when he comes home and he demands the video game system because, you know, he saw his buddies or whatever. Then you'll yeah. be able to go, well, I have all this money to buy you that system. <laughs> what are you going to do to earn it? Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> like, I remember that. I remember playing Grand Theft Auto for PlayStation uh, PlayStation 2 for the first time and being like, I need this immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no concept of money, really. Yeah. And uh, if my folks would have just, like, held out a premise to me, oh, yeah, we'll get it for you, but here's the deal. I, I don't yeah. think I would have had a choice. Huh. Yeah, I, I see that, but I also see that Josh wants a Nintendo Switch almost as much as he thinks that Wallace <laughs> <laughs> deserves it. You're weak. Um, yeah. Having said that, though, uh, part of the reason why I was thinking about getting it is just because I'm reading the reviews for the new Mario game. And they're just kind of comparing it back to, like, the feeling of freedom that kids had when like you started playing, playing Mario. Mario 64. Oh, God, Mario 64. Yeah. Six, sixth grade, right? Would that have been right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sixth or seventh grade, I would say. God, right? it was wild. Yeah, because it was all of a sudden... anywhere. You can go in any direction. Up, down, left, right, back, forward, back, forward, A, B, A, B, A. I think that's a different game. Yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, so that's my... It doesn't really mean that I'm actually going to get it, but I think if I'm presented with the opportunity like I was with the Wii back in the day where uh, I heard tell, this was when the Wii was new, that Target was going to do like something like first 12 people in line, $50 for a Wii, but then you got like a... I don't know what it was, like a, a $10 gift card to spend on games or something like that. So it was kind of a ruse to get you to buy a couple of games along with it. Mm-hmm. To, so they would break even and only for the first 12. And I drove by and it was the night before and there were only like six people in line. So I totally could have had one. I didn't do it. 
and sort of sort of regretted it, but um, I think the opportunity presents itself again. I'm I'm sleeping in a target uh, target parking lot. I, I waited in line like overnight, not for anything free, just to get Halo Two right when it oh, came yeah. out. Oh yeah, yeah. So and then I skipped my classes the next day to play Halo Two. Yeah. And immediately think- we were all like, the gravity is all fucked up. What did they do to the <laughs> physics? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't that, didn't that didn't that begin the Halo One Rebellion of whatever year that was? Because we all was, just yeah, decided we all that Halo like, One was oh much my better. God, this is stupid. Why did we not? We need to go back. Yeah, we, we go, have back. To go back. Uh, and that's and then we started playing the earlier version of Halo, and then we started the rivalry with the dorm next door, and then Derek almost beat up that guy. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that that is a long. That's a long story for another and, day. And but. all the guys, all the other guys in that dorm, like let Derek in because they wanted <laughs> that other guy to get his ass kicked because they well, all he, fucking hated him. He was desperately asking <laughs> for it. Uh, all right. Anyway, so I I tried to come up with some good stuff for us to talk about, and I came across a few options. I mean, top of the list. Was uh, while I was doing research, I found this article talking about the the new Taco Bell going in on State Street. Josh, are you aware of this? Uh, no, I am not at all aware. What? Why? What is happening? So, uh, as Josh can verify for the for the viewer, uh, there was a Taco Bell on State Street, very close to the University of Wisconsin campus, when we were in attendance at the fine institution. Yes. And it eventually, for reasons that are unfathomable, folded. They they went out of business. Well, no, they became a combination Pizza Hut KFC for a time. Yeah, it's something, right? No, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Or no, it was a Taco Bell KFC. It was a Taco Bell KFC. And then they folded and they became a Hardee's. Uh, I was not on campus for that. Right. you that doesn't still, sound terrible. You still lived but. in Madison for a little yeah. while there, though. Yeah. Um, just, that just wasn't a, 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 a portion of State Street that I frequented. Right. That's also right by the uh, the clear um, front for a weed dealership. that They, they sell, like, Afghans and pipe fitters? African masks. What, is, which, what, what was it called? Oh, God. Pipe fitters. No, you're talking about pipe. something else. Oh, no. You're talking about, no. like, art. Art Gecko or like free, yeah, Art Gecko ever. or Free Trade Limited or whatever. Like, clearly, yeah. you're not making any money selling or not selling this bullshit. So, how much for a dime bag? But it, it was funny having Hardee's there on State Street because it was like the only affordable hamburger in like a two square mile radius. <laughs> like that was you could not find an affordable hamburger for whatever reason around there. No, but anyway, so right. it's not so uh, that. Went out of business, and now Taco Bell is coming back to the exact same location like 10 years later. Maybe not quite. And you will never guess, it is a, it is a State Street Taco Bell, but it is a Taco Bell Cantina, which oh, means yes. they sell liquor. That, that I feel very sorry for the manager of this particular establishment because that that is not a good combo. Well, the uh, city council agrees with you and they're giving them trouble with their liquor license. But that's not what I want to talk about. I was like, okay, well, that's too easy. And then I came across a story about the the tax plans that are going through uh, our, our fine Congress, arguably the best Congress that we've ever had in this nation. 
Arguably. Arguably. I'll agree with that. <laughs> and hold, hold up one sec. Before you go any further, I just want everybody to hear this really loud and clear. Mm-hmm. That is a novelty can, and it is our review beer. I'm starting a little bit early. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of them in the fridge for next up. I'm not super... All right, whatever. Uh, anyway, you were talking about Congress. Yeah, Congress. The Senate tax plan, the Senate version of the tax plan, has sizable reductions for essentially all producers, maybe with the exception of craft brewers. <laughs> Which is fucked, but... That is totally fucked. Um, the liquor... There's a liquor provision in the tax plan, which would reduce the excise taxes on American-made beer and distilled spirits, a change long sought by the industry. This is USA Today, by the way, so uh, yeah. there's probably many, many subtle details to this plan, which the kindergartners who wrote the story could not comprehend, uh, <laughs> but... So it it the article focuses mostly on wine, but they are seeking in general big cuts to uh, the uh, excise taxes. You know, like the the big right on the top taxes that they apply to the by gallon production usually. Or is it for, is it the barrel tax? Is that or is that a state tax? Uh, I don't. That's a great question. Uh, I believe the barrel tax is a type of excise tax, but. Uh, this, okay. is, this would be the federal. So it looks right. like, I mean, they would be decreasing significantly taxes on more alcoholic wines, mm-hmm. uh, as well as significantly reducing taxes on spirits. So, yeah. and then also like taxing sexual predators or something like that. This is making this this uh, tax plan sound amazing. I'm not <laughs> trying to do that. So we're not going to talk about this one. This is the one that I... I was like, I, we could talk about that, but no, we're not going to talk about that one. I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about cr- critical review in the Chicago Tribune that relates to what you were talking about earlier. Oh, okay. We are going to talk about this. This is a this is a re- uh, uh, by a gentleman, Josh Noel, Josh Noel. Oh, we we uh, kind of know of him on uh, Twitter. He, we go back and forth occasionally. Okay, so he is. He wrote this article. I'm not going to tell you the title of the article. I wanna I wanna first read you the first section of the article. Okay, so this is okay, from okay. today. This is from today. All right, in the Chicago Trib by Josh Noel. I, again, I'm sorry, I don't know Josh. Here it is. Remember. That Budweiser commercial that lit up craft beer a few years back, it mocked people who dared to smell their beer, who cared to think critically about their beer, who created such things as pumpkin peach ale. Well, turns out Budweiser might have a point. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Um, So he went to Fobab, the Festival of Wood and Barrel-Aged Beer. Yeah. And he decided, and I, well, he has counts here. He has numbers here. Of the 376 beers poured at Fobab, about 50 were this type of beer known as pastry stouts. Are you familiar with pastry stouts, Josh? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example that I've had recently. Jeez, you know, like, not milk stouts, but like those the big ones that have like raisiny sweetness going on. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, his examples are... 
you know, uh, uh, he, I'm going to summarize his point here, but he says that, you know, it used to be that stouts would uh, be aged in barrels and they'd show off the beer and the barrels, but today they throw in flavors like coffee, vanilla beans, coconut, cinnamon, chilies, cacao nibs, and he, he makes a real point. He emphasizes cacao nibs. <laughs> And then it he is, goes it, through all yeah. these different beers that are like, let's see, what are the names of the beers? He names them uh, Barrel-Aged German Chocolate Cake, Bourbon Barrel-Aged Super Shake, Bourbon Barrel-Aged Gingerbread Imperial Stout, Like, and he goes on about this. He is not yeah. a fan of this. Clearly, no. What do you think about this, Josh? Um. So, you know, I, I grew up. Or I, my, my, I was indoctrinated into the beer world while I worked for the USDA, <clears throat> and they were big on uh, uh, the Brewer Association and BJCP guidelines, and, uh, you know, the guidelines, I believe, allow for, you know, um, barrel character in barrel-aged beers, and, um, you know, uh, if you're going to judge one of these pastry or specialty ales... As, uh, you know, a Russian Imperial Stout or an American Stout or whatever, it's probably not going to score well, but that's why we have specialty categories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, some people want their porter to taste a little like coffee, and some people want it to taste a lot like, you know, a regular sugar-filled coffee from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and that's a thing. You know, like, regular coffee um, is a popular beer. You know, when it comes to the argument, like... This beer doesn't taste like beer. Well, a lot of um, well-accepted styles don't taste a ton like what we tend to think of as beer. Like the American lager, the American premium lager, and the American light lager aren't the be-all, end-all so, uh, in beer. Yeah, so you've kind of led into his secondary point here, which is which is interesting. And this is actually where I think the point of contention comes up. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I think this is a, a sort of a vein that we can mine a little bit. Yeah. So his point, and I'm going to quote him here. And again, this <laughs> is uh, Josh Noel from the Chicago Tribune from today. Uh, an obvious parallel is unfolding in the IPA realm where hazy IPAs, also known as New England style or double dry hopped IPAs, have uh-huh. become an industry hit for their marked, marked or marked fruit forward sweetness and astonishingly low bitterness. But there's an important distinction between hazy IPAs and adjunct stout. IPAs are trending sweeter due to advances in hop farming and the processes behind how IPA is made. Love it or hate it, I guess he falls not on either end of the spectrum, just right smack dab in the middle. Hazy IPA is truly an innovation. Okay, so... He then goes on to say that, like, the the stouts that he's referring to is all about people adding things that are not, you know, according to Reinheitsgebot or whatever, part Uh of the beer-making process. So he's saying that we can change the way beer tastes as long as we use the things that are traditionally supposed to be associated with beer. Thoughts? You know, coming from an idealistic point of view, I suppose, you know, let's use... um, Gosh, any brewery that originally comes out and says, you know, we adhere to Reinheitsgebot, eventually says, we adhere to Reinheitsgebot in spirit, and then they just kind of throw it out the window. Like, no one sticks around with that, because it's fun to add 
other flavors to beer. Now, having said that, do I think that they should compete on the same level? No. Uh, but I, you know, I like, uh, a, a cranberry goza here or there, or, uh, a German chocolate cake, double imperial stout, you know, just because just like all these, uh, like I was saying before with these, um, untitled art beers that go a right. little bit nuts, exactly. I want, I'll, I want to get my four pack and be like, Oh, I have had that now. Hurrah. <laughs> you know? And, um, I would even go uh, the other way, you know, with the hazy IPAs, I don't think they're really anything new or crazy. It's just a weird yeast and more dry hopping. It's a uh, it's a homebrew mistake that sometimes tastes great and sometimes uh, looks as terrible or tastes as terrible as it looks. That makes sense to me. I I, I really think that like oh, the cats are at it again. Uh, <clears throat> I understand his point about perhaps you know if if he's going to go to this festival. And in his view, this particular festival is supposed to showcase this type of beer meets yeah. some type of aging. Yeah. If you and go to a barrel fest or a firkin fest, you're not just going to get like pilsners and porters. You're going to get like, they're going to put shit in the barrel or the firkin. That's what those festivals are for. Right. Um, but yeah, like showing up to a thing like this and then writing a review about this event, which sounded like a great event that I probably would have enjoyed. Um, you know, it's like Mickey Rooney shit, you know? Is that, 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 am I thinking about yeah, the right yeah, yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know Showing what grinds to... my gears? <laughs> yeah. I went to a locksmith convention the other day, and you wouldn't believe the new kinds of locks they had. <laughs> Seven pinhole locks, nine pinhole locks. How many pinholes do these locks need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it, it was a stupid festival about locks. <laughs> yeah, I... Why don't they make locks the way they used to, with skeleton keys? I, Any I, idiot could pick them. <laughs> I never get locked out of my house. I get I get the fascination with complaining. And I, to be fair, he doesn't just complain. He does talk about the fact that people love him. Yeah, he's yeah. a... He's a good writer. Um, yeah. He he's done other. He's this isn't uh, a good summary of his work, um, right? But still, you still get a little taste of that. I even saw a lock that you could open with a a, a kind of card. You yeah. just hold the card up to it and it opens. What good is that? <laughs> oh, God rest his soul. That was good TV. <laughs> What's he gonna complain about this week? Do you know what my favorite kind of cookie is? Fig Newton. <laughs> Have you seen the cookies that are out there today? Chips made of chocolate in them? Oh. <laughs> Revolting. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's, uh, I thought that was worth our time, and I think it leads us very well into the review beer, which yeah. we should announce after the break. Yeah, we'll take a little break.
back. We are reviewing Anheuser Busch's Bud Light, which I have just recently poured um, the rest of my novelty 25 ounce Super Tall Boy into my decorative New Belgium glass. <laughs> and it didn't fall apart, so it must be drinkable. The glass, <clears throat> glass didn't fall apart? I, I was thinking, like, the New Belgium glass would just shake itself to death. <laughs> be incredible, like, if the beer actually shattered. I don't know how beer yeah. would shatter. Yeah, I was not psyched about this one. Um, I'll try when... to, I'll try not to just, like, make light of uh, America's somehow most popular beer. You know, uh, it is what it is we've done. Uh, we actually haven't done, like, a ton of straight-up you know, commercial example type beers. Yeah, well, but. I mean, because they're a treat when we do them. The listeners, <laughs> the listeners and the viewers, they love it. They do love it. They yeah. crave it. This is the content um, they crave. But you know, uh, Bud Light, Coors Light, Keystone Light, Michelob Light, Miller Light, and Old Milwaukee Light are still um, and have been for quite a long time BJCP examples of the one A, the first category listed in the BJCP American Light. Lager. Highly carbonated, <laughs> very light-bodied, nearly flavorless. They you literally say that you ain't in first the description. Or last. And of these, I think Keystone and uh, Bud are neck and neck for most colorless and most flavorless. Mm. Um, which, if you want to throw a lot of them back, isn't such a bad characteristic. The only thing is uh, they got to be consumed like ice cold for them to be worth drinking. Yes. Um, which mine currently is, but it's 25 ounces, so I kind of doubt that I'm actually going to get all the way through it. <laughs> so how did you? Um, so you got the you got the largest, cheapest container of Bud that you could buy, correct? That is exactly correct. I walked into the store and I was like, I want to spend the least amount of money <laughs> possible. And you still like I you know two or for a dollar eighty eight, like that's the cheap. Like oh, but I still have the equivalent of two beers. Here. <laughs> I I was disappointed that they did not have a similar uh, offer at Steve's Liquor. <laughs> oh, I was forced so do you to buy you a, have multiple I canisters, had to buy a six pack. Anyway, go on, Josh. I'll, I'll run through this because you know you probably heard it before with hams, um, which I still think belongs in this category with or not hams. Um, what was the last light beer we did? Was it height? Height. I don't know if that it was could have been height light lager, but you know hams, uh, uh, you know, uh, is somewhere treading the line between American um, American standard and American light. I, I got to say that I'm biased towards an American lager and American premium, just because I like a little bit more flavor. But uh, straight up and down, Bud Light is up there with uh, Miller Light and Milwaukee Light as far as you know lack of bad stuff going on. Um, there are certainly worse beers out there. I can honestly say that aside from like a little bit too much astringent graininess, there's not a ton to complain about for the category. Mm. It's super carbonated. I have nucleation points on the bottom of this decorative glass, and it's almost like a champagne just shooting um, bubbles out of it. Yeah, you kind of wonder. I mean, it's almost like with America's fascination with carbonation historically, if this was not just a, a layup. It's just yeah. like alcoholic carbonation. Mm -hmm. You know, the funny thing about light lagers, I think Coors was like one of the first ones to do it, and they did it in the 
shortly after Prohibition, but it wasn't. I think it was a mistake. I don't think. I, I, and don't quote me on this, but it uh, wasn't for like. What's that? It wasn't for diet conscious, you know, drinkers. I don't know why they made it, but uh, I think it was uh, Rheingold Brewing actually made a beer for dieters. And then um, Miller acquired that recipe, and that's where Miller Light comes from. Interesting. <clears throat> and that's where the the uh, that's when they started doing sports stuff. So the reason why Miller at first was the big sports beer was because um, they developed this, or they stole, or bought um, this diet beer, and kind of started doing what now we attribute attribute to Michelob, where you know, like be good at sports, drink Miller Light, Michelob Ultra Light. Yeah. Um, the Taste Great, Less Filling campaign, you know, that continued out throughout the 70s mm-hmm. um, into the 90s was kind of their thing until I think it was like the mid-80s when Anheuser-Busch kind of took over that seat from Miller and started pouring money into sports advertising. Mm-hmm. But man, could we talk for hours about Bud advertising because <laughs> simply because and uh, let me get done with this review but simply because there you know it really there isn't really a lot to talk about American Standard Lager and then later on American Light Lager the reason why we have them is prohibition because there's prohibition right and then prohibition's lifted and we immediately go to war so every human being in America that is uh, worth their salt and isn't old or feeble or disabled or of a poor moral character goes to Germany. The only people who are left in America are women uh, and then just, you know, weirdos. <laughs> and the, the beer companies had to sell beer to somebody, so they made beer um, for what they perceived the ladies would like. And they made this very pale, highly carbonated, light-bodied, well-attenuated lager. And uh, men who came home from the war who <coughs> could no longer get German and French and Belgian uh, beers, this is all that was there. This is all that was selling at the time. So that's what they uh, took to heart, and that's the beer that they continued on with. Brutal. And that's what we're stuck with, <laughs> you know. Well, um, it was- World War Two is such a phenomenal uh, demarcation point for everything that has ever changed uh, mm-hmm. in the country in the last essentially 100 years. There is there is some relationship to World War II being like, oh, yeah, and then everything got fucked up or everything made sense again or something like that. It's funny to me how frequently that <laughs> happens. Yeah. And it makes sense to me that something as abysmal as this beer would come out of World War II because, you know, who invented beer? Well, the precursor, the Nazi precursors. Yeah. So they're they're still getting us. Maybe the Nazis did win the war if this came out of it. After we get done bashing this beer, you you have to come to appreciate that, you know, what they did wasn't easy to go from a medium-sized brewery to... Uh, what was it after uh, World War II was done? Like uh, fifty million barrels in the in the United States um, on a yearly basis, um, and that now it's even more. You know, hundreds of millions um, throughout the world. Just crazy, and it tastes the goddamn same whether it's made in uh, Saint Petersburg or whether it's made in Saint Louis. That is or, impressive. That yeah, is impressive. You know, it tastes just about the same. 
Um, so let's let's finish this uh, review. Aroma, no. Appearance, <laughs> no. Flavor, uh, rice, and some grist. Um, not corny, but there is some distinct malt. Low bitterness, low hop flavor, highly carbonated. The sweetness that would come from the rice and the malt balances out like the highly carbonic flavor. I seem to remember Bud Light being distinctly sweet, but this is having it again. Sweet. No, having it again, I'm thinking if there is this sweetness, it's being balanced out not by the hops, I don't think, but by just the carbonic bite. Mm. It could also be bud bud heavy that we're thinking of. I think bud heavy is much sweeter. Um, mouthfeel, water ish. Um, I complained about height being watery. I, I think bud would give it a run for its money. Oh yeah. Um, it's a thirty eight. I was thinking I was going to give it a forty just because um, it's a commercial example. Um, it should be at least a forty, but um, I've recently had. Uh, Miller Light and an old Milwaukee Light down at a, uh, one of the local establishments just because, you know, one, one for the ditch. Yeah. And uh, it just a little bit more. And I, I understand that we're not going for more when we're talking about a light beer, but you got to have some crisp, dry um, flavor. There has to yeah. be something to hang yeah. your hat on. Well, that, and, and it's just not even, there here. Even height had... God, did it have that crispness to it. Yeah. Crisp and, and uh, height, God bless it, was a little bit more of a corn-like yeah. um, uh, thing going on. And, and rice is fine, but you got to have a little bit of malt. You can't be, you know, like more than 50% of the impression can't be rice. Yeah. Um, um, unless you're talking about an Asian beer. Yeah. Uh, and, in my opinion. Can we draw particular attention to the fact that, like, I'm looking at my Bud Light bottle right now, always brewed using uh, the choicest hops. The choicest. Best barley malt. And rice. And rice. <laughs> they used to not, back in the, in the mid-90s, they did not like to talk about the rice. And all the employees knew it, and everybody that worked... Uh, within the the confines of AB, knew that there's a shit ton of rice in this. Why else would we buy all this goddamn rice if it wasn't chock full of rice? And it's it's pretty ricey. Yeah, I, and, that is that is a a feature of beer. And I, if I can if I can take a second to try and describe to the viewer what rice tastes like, just so that they can maybe take a second when they're drinking beer, it tastes like air. Mm-hmm. You drink a beer, and if it tastes like air, like if they're, you're like, why is the, I, I just drank liquid, why is the, uh, why do I just have air in my mouth? That's rice. Does that a, make sense? A good, yeah. No, a good way to, if you don't homebrew, like a good way to get used to detecting these smells is like, um, you know, like just overcook some rice and let it get cold. And, like, the smell that comes off of that. And the same thing with, like, corn grist or uh, cream of wheat to try to get used to, like, the smell of that. Because what happens is, what really happens when they do these adjuncts is they just overboil these starchy grains. And then they might add an enzyme to it to get it to kick out more sugar. But you still, when you do that, you still get the aftertaste and smell of that grain. Because you're putting it in whole 
raw and boiling it. It's not like malt where a lot of it's getting converted. This this reminds me of uh, the, guy that, the guy that I've been brewing with uh, lately, Jason. Uh, he, he and I have been kicking around this idea of just getting hammered drunk and just making a beer with everything that he that he has lying around in his supply. Like all the malts and all the random grains that we can lay hands on. Just just doing that just because fuck it. That does sound fun, but I can guarantee you that that is going to be a wild beer. Yeah. Not because when you get drunk, you just get sloppy and it's going to get infected. Not because the just adding tons of grain to the, the mash is going to be uh, bad. Um, sometimes you, you get lucky and you get good stuff coming out of that. But yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's a fun hobby. I encourage everybody to try, you know, at least like, like the one gallon batch, especially if you can do brew in a bag. It's like super fun. You learn a ton about why beer tastes and smells the way it does. It but is, yeah, so. it is, it is absolutely. And I'm a, I, I like to cook. I'm good at cooking. God damn it. Beer is so precise. Yeah. It's very, yeah. To get, to get what you want to like say, you know, I want a cream ale and you know, I want it to be like a commercial example. I want it to taste like old style. Even that, you think old style would be an easy one to crack because it's you could go to the store and buy it for, you know, a forty is is what two dollars and twenty eight cents. Yes, but no, it's a uh, that's that is harder actually than making like an okay American pale in a homebrew kit. Um, more because any flaws show because it you know lighter beers. Um, anything any mistake that you make shines through what it's supposed to taste like, which is another kudos to, to, to companies like Bud Light or to companies like Anheuser-Busch and Miller. These beers aren't easy to do well. No. Um, it would be a fun thing for us to do. Like we could, we could do like a, maybe when we finally review Miller Light, maybe we do it in Milwaukee. We'll go on the tour. We'll take some sound bites. <laughs> I'll punch the lights out of the tour guide and we'll steal some ingredients. <laughs> And we'll run it back. We'll run it back to Mike's place, and we'll try to brew a clone from stolen <laughs> ingredients. I I have taken that tour twice, and I have enjoyed it. Ugh, this is. I mean, it's God. It's this is an example of what I, no one who listens to this program, with the exception of the garbage man, likes <laughs> Bud Light. Yeah, no, no. one likes it. Why would you listen to a show about beer if you were like, man, that Bud Light is good? <laughs> like, yeah. you would you would listen into your NASCAR how to how to set up your uh, TV antenna so uh, tornadoes don't carry off your trailer slash Bud Light podcast. All, all very all very good Bud Light tropes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you would that's what you would be listening to. Nobody listening to the show likes Bud Light. Like no. likes Bud Light. It's a it's a beer that I tolerate when it's offered to me at a barbecue. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, I'd much rather have a Hams if if that's the kind yeah. of thing you're going for, I, or an old style. I encounter this very frequently at uh, at concerts where they oh, yeah. clearly they're they're just like this is the only game in town. They bought them. They, they, you know, like they, the venue sold their soul. Yeah. And this is the one that 
is the most profitable for them. Yep. And it's, God, is it a bummer? Because my absolute favorite, I was talking to my wife today, my absolute favorite thing, if I could have my choice of things, uh, I would stand at a at a heavy metal show in the back where I can just like stand there and not have to worry about anything. But I would be drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go to these concerts and they're like, oh, we'll have a Bud Light. And I'm just like, motherfucker, you interfered with like the one thing that I love. So uh, I still drink them, though. Because <laughs> at that point, it's Man. like, you're a hostage. That's one thing. You got to move to uh, like the Twin Cities because every concert that I've ever been to in the Twin Cities, for some reason, they know that crowd. And uh, they always have one or two, either like Indeed or Surly on tap. Oh, nice. But it's always, it is, granted, it's always right next to Michelob Ultra and uh, Grain Belt Premium. Uh-huh. Um, but I would still drink, I'd still prefer Grain Belt over this. Is that the last one we've done? That yeah, we've done uh, Grain Belt. Yeah, that was right. that was the last America or one uh, A or one or because uh, one A or one B that we've Greenbelt done. Greenbelt has character at least. It may not be the best, but it has character. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still American. I think owned or they have they been bought by Oof, one of the big. I can't remember. It's probably um, bought out. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like all of this uh, the advertising. You know, we've ta- we we haven't touched on it yet, but fresh, smooth, real. It's all here. Be yourself. Make it Bud Light. It's a yeah. it's a it's a Belgian company um, that has you know stakeholders mostly from China in it. It's a uh, it's about Ameri- as American as a as a Toyota. That's how American Bud Light is. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's uh, this beer just eats at me because it is so <laughs> consumerist. And I believe that my talent on this show is to represent the consumerist perspective. And this yeah. beer yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I, I really don't know how to fairly how to fairly discuss it. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not easy for me either. You know, giving it a thirty eight. Which means that it is still decent. Like, if you were to homebrew this, and eat, especially if you were uh, gunning for a Bud Light clone, um, which is, you know, a, an example for the style, um, this is still a good beer in that respect. In that respect, I should say, mm. um, to clarify. Let's let's see if we can, can't clarify it for the listener with a few questions. All right. So, give me just give me one second here. <coughs> mm-hmm. So I gotta I gotta pull a, my flash frozen bud out of storage here. Alright, let's drink some room temperature Bud Light and answer these questions. Hit right. me. If Bud Light were a Tarantino bad guy, <laughs> which Tarantino bad guy would it be? I just got done last night I watched um the end. I, I had to split it into three parts for God knows why, but I watched the uh the new Tarantino Cabin in the Woods flick, The uh, Hateful Eight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Great flick. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He doesn't do many bad movies. No. Um. So it's gonna be De Django Unchained. Okay. And it's gonna be uh, 
the fucking oh god, what's the guy's name? Remar. Um, he was Dexter's dad on the show Dexter. James Remar. James Remar. Because uh, he died because he got shot in the head in the first scene. See, that's why I don't remember him. Yeah, he was he was the guy that was uh, who was dragging Django around, and he wouldn't let Christoph Waltz have have access to Django. Oh, right in the beginning. But then he sh- so he was he was just want, want he was on a horse in the first one, just bareheaded, and then he showed up again later on. But he had been shot in the head, and you're all like, "What the hell? Why is he back?" But he was wearing a hat <laughs> where he'd gotten shot in the head. <laughs> I don't know why he did it. <laughs> I don't know why Tarantino like made that decision. It was the same actor. He showed up. He was one of the bodyguards at the plantation at the end. I um, don't. It was I, the same I don't know why. fucking actor. <laughs> and I don't know he was why, just wearing a hat. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's Bud Light. It's just like you're like didn't I didn't didn't wasn't I done? With, no, it's back. It's it's here again. Listen, stop stop trying to get rid of it. <laughs> You stupid dick. God, my cat just, like, kicked the phone onto the floor. Jesus. <laughs> All right. That uh, offer to pasteurize your cat still stands. <laughs> I got a pressure cooker at home. I appreciate that offer. Sorry, I was away from the microphone because my cats then set upon the cord that was charging the phone. They like to chew things. Yeah. God damn it. Anyway, so there right, you go. You got- That's my answer. You got another, and I got another question for you. If Bud Light were a box of raisins, would the raisins be all stuck together or would they be loose? <laughs> loose raisins. Ah, oh, Jesus. It's a little, little nugget for frequent listeners of the show. Uh, the, they would be so tightly packed at the point where you would just have to, like, jaw the thing like chewing tobacco. <laughs> There's no other use for them at that point. Like a like a California raisin version of hardtack? Yes, exactly. Because that's, yeah. like, you would only sustain yourself on this. You would not... <laughs> you wouldn't not bake raisin it. bread with it? No, you would not you use would make it for no something desserts. enjoyable. Yeah. All right, that's good, that's good. Okay, uh, if Bud Light were a character from Animal House... Animal House. Which character would it be? Let me tell you about some friends I know. Uh, did you know that there's a bar in La Crosse, Wisconsin, just called Animal House, that has the Animal House emblem on its sign? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, we should do a... Remote cast from there. Remote cast from there. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> Which character from Animal House would Bud Light be? Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. <laughs> I was kind of thinking you might go for that. For it's absolutely Niedermeyer. How does uh, it feel to be it, an what's independent? It, what's the line? Yeah. How does it feel to be an independent? <laughs> Sornstein. <laughs> How's it feel to be an asshole, Niedermeyer? Yeah. What did he say? <laughs> so what did he say? <laughs> friend of the show, guy guy that I know, uh, uh, friend of mine, 
Sorry, I don't think he's. I don't think he is a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine. That's why I stopped myself. L- grew up in Milwaukee and grew up next door to the guy that played Niedermeyer. <laughs> so he's a Wisconsin guy. Uh, basically stopped acting. I mean, I guess he still acts, but nobody has seen him in anything since then. Yeah. But he's around in the airwaves <laughs> as we as we send this out. <clears throat> I know that this is going on the internet, but whatever. Fuck off. My, uh, my fate, my, let, let's try to think of some, some parallels to that because don't, doesn't, uh, Douglas C. Niedermeyer get killed by his own troops in Vietnam mm-hmm. in the end? I, I'm trying to f- figure out the parallel it's here. fragged. By his own dudes. I don't know if that, if that has, if we can draw a parallel between Budweiser and, and Niedermeyer <laughs> beyond, beyond the point that, that Anheuser-Busch is just a total asshole of the beer world. Um... <sighs> Even even like the underlings, like the uh, Molson Coors and Millers of the world, complain about how Anheuser or now AB InBev um, plays foul. Let me uh, let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do this. Not about the fragging part, but um, pretend that I am Kevin Bacon and I have just oh, finished chip. chip, and I have just finished. A Bud Light. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> that was from Niedermeyer, right? Niedermeyer yeah. was delivering the, the Spanx. Uh, great film. Great film. <laughs> great film. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can find one more. Another another pearl. All oh, right, I got one for you. Yeah. If, if Bud Light were a recently outed sex offender. Jesus. Which recently outed sex offender would Bud Light be? I'm giving you like a, a two month leeway. God damn it! Um, you got a you got a host of things to choose for. The yeah, no, I mean obviously there is no shortage. The no. Uh, you know I I'd probably go with fucking Brett Ratner. Ratner, yeah, because that guy just sucks. <laughs> He wasn't that good before. It wasn't like oh, I saw yeah. that in the news and I was like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" <laughs> and there have been some where I was like, "Son of a bitch! What an asshole!" I kind of <laughs> liked him. Yeah. Um, oh man, no! Like Louis C.K. I was deeply affected. Yeah, and I was like, I, oh, you know "Son what? of a bitch!" I, I'm gonna be honest. I I believed like it immediately. His, I did not like his comedy. You didn't? Mm-mm. Oh, I loved his. Uh, he did bits on... He's a good on, storyteller. Uh, good storyteller. Yeah. I was not a fan of his comedy. Huh. No, I liked... I liked... Uh, I I was kind of the opposite. Like, I didn't enjoy his... You know, he's made, like, tons of these, like, vignettes and movies. And and Louis, the show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is more vignette and storytelling than it is, like, straight-up jokes. Yeah. And uh, I sat through it for the jokes, but I I don't know. Yeah, I like. I didn't uh, really like the shows either. I just, I, from a from a joke making perspective, he is able to weave a yarn. He, like, he so he has talent. Yeah, he's some sort of fucking pervert, but he has talent. I, it feels really good, right? To like at this point to be like fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah, and I know that you and I are not like the real the real point of this. <laughs> to be able to, for us to be safely like, yeah, fuck Louis C.K., fuck goddamn Bill O'Reilly, fuck. All oh, jeez, the, the list, the list goes on. Al Franken, yeah, I saw Al Franken, uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, Kevin Spacey, fucking, well, 
Yeah. Fuck so, that guy. Uh, Roy Moore, although he's probably still going to get elected. Yeah, he's probably still gonna, he's still up like six points. He went from like eleven to six. So that's all that uh, uh, diddling kids gets you in uh, that in that state of the union. So, uh, so my concern here is that it's the it is so it's not really a concern. It's the it's the more uh, liberal leaning parts of the country clearing house, and then the more conservative parts of the country are kind of like nah, no, nah, no thanks. <laughs> uh, look at all these perverts over here that the, <laughs> the liberals got. Uh, what a bunch of perverts! Yeah, I, are you allowed to like a pervert once they're dead? I don't know. Let's let's I, try to think of some dead perverts. Because I was watching the thriller video the other day and god damn it that's a yeah, good video great video that's hard <laughs> that's the and that's the Chappelle the old Chappelle trope when they're like dra- dragging him through the mud and he's yeah, like he, made, yeah, thriller. he made thriller thriller made thriller I, and I Jesus it's good though like it's so good <laughs> mm-hmm. it Re- is rewatch it viewers rewatch thriller I have now worked myself wet through a half of a six-pack of Bud Light, and... Oh, boy. It is just... That's what it's good for. That's, like, yeah. the thing that it's good for. It's like, wow, can you drink it? Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> it's hydrating. I I am done with this 25-ounce um, can that I kind of assumed that I would drink one glassful, one, uh, what does this say, 0.47 liter glass of, and then toss the rest, but I drank it. Mm. So, can't be that bad. Uh, you know, in, in a way, Bud Light is like fun. We can't do that yet. <laughs> You're right, because uh, now it is time to thank our uh, musical sponsors. Thank you to the Cork and Bottle String Band for doing our, our outro. Thank you to the Whiskey Farm for doing our intro. And thank you to uh, Still Hill and Horseshoes and Hand Grenades who alternate on our break music. Check out our website at like or, uh, likefuncast.com. Check us out on social media at likefuncast. Rate us on iTunes. That is the best way to uh, spread the word about our show. And otherwise, interact with us. Uh, suggest a beer. Uh, email us. Ask us any uh, questions you might have about um, homebrewing or uh, the craft beer world. We'd be happy to address them. It most is, of all, it is very. It's not. It's legit fun that anyone ever listens to it. It's not even like fun. It's like no, legit yeah. fun that people like for sure would ever listen to us. Yeah. Even, uh, even when that well, weird dude, um, I, I think or a weird corporation that they want to write essays. I don't know if you've been to the website recently, but they spammed us with a whole bunch of like comments, like great episode. Uh, do you need help writing an essay? <laughs> Come to whatever. I left them all up. Cause you know, we don't get very many comments. That's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, let me quick let me quick navigate to to the best one that I actually responded to. I think it was episode <laughs> fifty one. Good post. Thanks for sharing. Love to hear the details. The introduction should be general, and then make your your essay a, the specific. Everything about essay body is clear, and you must explain your topic. Main idea of your essay topic must be cleared, and you must write it in an excellent way. I trust if you, this person to write an essay. <laughs> if you can write it well by taking help from. Link to custom essay writing service. And I respond, <laughs> good comment. Thanks for sharing. The details are contained within the episode. This is not an essay. <laughs> but we'd like to hear more about this essay writing service. 
How much do you pay for a well-written essay? I am willing I am willing to provide an essay in unbroken English for $40. Our PayPal link is embedded on this page. I'm that, still waiting on a response. That is like fun. There we go.